Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello. Welcome to week 25 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. My name is still Craig Fields. And alas, I'm still David Long. And we still both go out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. Uh, and on week 25, we have loads to review. David, what have we got coming up on today's show? Well, firstly, I'd like to wish everyone a very happy and prosperous new year. And we'll be kicking the show off with Aquaman, the latest fishman superhero from the DC Universe to get his own film. The nanny of all nannies returns. That's right. It's Mary Poppins with Emily Blunt in the leading role. Did the film live up to its predecessor? You have to stick around to find out. Robert Redford gives his final performance before he retires in The Old Man and the Gun. Matthew McConaughey, Richie Merritt and Belle Powley star in White Boy Rick. Hayley Steinfeld and John Cena head back to the 80s for Bumblebee. And I'll be reviewing Sorry to Bother You starring Lakeith Stanfield and Tessa Thompson. And finally, we'll be taking a look at Roma. As well as Lee's, we'll have our box office rundown news and Is It Worth It? Cinema at Home. Happy New Year, David. Oh, and a very happy New Year to you too, Craig. Did you have a good Christmas? Oh, it was it was very Christmassy. Um, I enjoyed lots of turkey, lots of pig in blanket, lots of delicious meat. Lots of pig in blanket. Mm. Pig in blanket. It's a weird concept, isn't it? A pig wrapped in bacon. It's the most unhealthy food you could possibly eat. I mean, a pig wrapped in pig. <laughs> <laughs> it's a vegan nightmare, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Um, so, Craig, how was your Christmas? Uh, Christmas for me was um, busy, lots of going out, seeing friends, uh, but I spent Christmas Day at home with with all the family and then uh, uh, Boxing Day again with all the family, uh, grandparents coming round um, and uh, lots of watching television and eating lots of delicious food as per what you did as well. Mm. Yeah. How was New Year's for you? Yeah, very good. Spent New Year with uh, with my parents. Actually went to my parents' church for their New Year gathering. Uh, splendid buffet, I must say. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I did enjoy the buffet. Uh, a lot of, you know, silly New Year's games that I actually quite enjoyed. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, quite funny, we, uh, we all gathered round to watch uh, Big Ben Bong uh, on New Year's. Mm. Um, but we were watching on iPlayer, so it was actually a minute in delay. <laughs> so it was like 12 o'clock. I was like, Dad, it's New Year. It was like, I know. Everyone was like, it's New Year, but let's go with it. And a minute later, bong, way, <laughs> happy New Year. Sort of like, oh, there's the church a lot, you know, living in the past. <laughs> you know, some sort of time warp. But yeah, no, very, very enjoyable and uh, looking forward to 2019. Yeah, so uh, I, I went to uh, my friend Tom's house and uh, Tom, who lives in Norway, um, he, he has a shindig every year. He's come back. Uh, we went to his parents' house and uh, all of the friends gathered round and uh, it, it was uh, rather entertaining. Um, one of our friends, Sam, um, built a, a bassy bomb. A what? A bassy bomb. So we're a little bit obsessed with, with Shirley Bassey. Um, and, uh, at one point throughout the year, I think when we went camping, we were discussing, um, what it would be like if we, we made some kind of grenade that 
when you pulled the 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 pull lever thing, um, it just suddenly explodes into bassy songs oh, and wow. confetti goes out. And Sam said, "I'm going to make one of those," and he did. And uh, it, uh, Sam actually spent four months solidly building this this contraption. Uh, it was a gold grenade, and when he pulled it, <laughs> it, um, it connected to his mobile phone and started playing uh, Shirley Bassey songs. No confetti, um, but he just threw it up in the air, and it landed in between all of us, and. Um, Gold finger. That's quite impressive. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure why it took four months, but uh... well, he's an, he's an electrical engineer. He had to, you know, 3D print and <laughs> yeah. And and Tom Tom makes uh, a most excellent chili as well. Every year he makes mm. a fantastic. I've heard chili. I've heard a lot about this this famous world renowned chili. I know uh, Daniel Daniel Bailey, one of our listeners to the podcast, absolutely uh, loves Tom's chili, um, and I caught him. Um, saying, uh, want more of Tom's chili. <laughs> I mean, I want more of Tom's chili. <laughs> he's he's quite quick, quite intoxicated, quite but, um, clearly very you know, drunk. What a what a time of year though for food. I mean, there is just I'm actually looking forward to 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 dieting. Having said that. Yesterday I had a McDonald's breakfast where I added more meat, I added an extra sausage, I added bacon, I added more cheese, I added an extra egg, um, I tailor-made the sausage and egg McMuffin, and then we went out uh, to the cinema last night and then I had a double bacon cheeseburger with mac and cheese bacon top fries, um, so perhaps... Not off to the best start, really. Not off to the best start, but, you know, new me, new, new year, new me, all that stuff, um, I, I do need to shed a bit of timber... Um, as I ate a lot of food, delicious cheese, pate, uh, meat. <laughs> That's an incredible amount of food, actually. I mean, custom tailoring a sausage and, was it sausage and... So it was a double sausage and egg McMuffin, but I added an extra sausage, uh, extra cheese, a slice of bacon and an extra egg. Do you have to go up and ask for that? I do it on the machine. You can do it in the machine? Oh, I wouldn't. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't ask them. That's far too embarrassing. Really? Yeah. But they're going to see it as soon as you put the order in. Yeah, but it's still less embarrassing than saying, can I have this incredibly highly saturated fat breakfast with extra saturated fat? Does that keep you going for a while? Uh, yeah, until lunch. <clears throat> Where you had? I went to Audi. I've got some German meatballs. Um, Whole chicken. Some salmon, some duck pate, um, some falafel. Um... What else did I have? Oh, sticky toffee pudding. Um, Your some, diet is off some, to an awful some, start. Some Pringles. Um, is, some, it, is this a joke? Some buttons, chocolate buttons. Um, no, it's not. My life is a joke. <laughs> anyway, Happy New Year. <laughs> happy and, New Year, uh, everyone. I too would like some more of Tom's chilli. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's kick off 2019 with more of Thomas Chili. No, with our box office rundown. This is the box office rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Yes, that's right. It's the box office rundown for the weekend of the 28th of December to the 30th, 2018. And David, what have we got at number 10? At number 10, we have Creed 2. It took £400,000 at the weekend. It's taken £9.1 million in total. It's been in the box office for five weeks and it props up the rest of the films at number 10. Look, this is a 
solid enough film. I don't think it really quite works as a boxing film. And at the same time, I don't think it quite works as a drama either. The film felt very confused to me. It tried to do both and ended up sort of neglecting both sides of it. So I don't think it was a brilliant boxing film and I don't think it was a brilliant drama. It wasn't a bad boxing film and it wasn't a bad drama. I just thought it was quite average. In my opinion, Creed 3 needs to be uh, something that has a solid script, a good plot, and, a, and it's a final farewell to Rocky Balboa because, in my opinion, they're, they're running out of ideas uh, and it's time to... Uh, move on move on <laughs> yeah uh, and speaking of moving on Craig number nine number nine is Fantastic Beast. Yes, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. It took £600,000 at the weekend. It's taken an incredible £32.7 million overall. It's been in the box office for seven weeks. Uh, We were both fairly disappointed with this film. Um, It didn't live up to what the previous film did. Uh, J.K. Rowling seemed to be quite confused. Um, So did the filmmakers and so did many of the characters within the film. Mm. I thought Johnny Depp was, was brilliant in this film. The problem it has is it really does just feel like a a sandwich filler and a very poor sandwich filler you know a a piece of lettuce perhaps oh you love your Um, analogies just just there and it and it tied you over and and it and it basically you're thinking that was okay but you know on to the next one which is a shame you know i think they're set for five films here uh, fantastic five too many uh and really they could probably do it in in two or three or like you said you know doesn't need to be made at all. I'm much more up for J.K. Rowling writing some more books uh, and 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 expanding the Harry Potter universe because I still think there's so much potential there. Um, but instead of going forward, they seem to want to go backwards. And the problem with going backwards is CGI has moved forward so much that the older films that predate Harry Potter seem to be far more, you know, technically superior mm. but that doesn't actually add anything to the overall experience but that's like the star wars films as well yeah uh look you know if if if, if you're a harry potter fan unfortunately you've got to see it but i don't think you'll be uh too impressed no number seven david number seven at number seven we have bohemian rhapsody it's taken six hundred thousand pounds at the weekend 48.2 million pounds in total it's been in the box office for 10 weeks rami malik is superb uh, as Freddie Mercury, he's you know it's a, a career-defining performance and an Oscar-worthy, uh, Oscar-nomination-worthy performance, if you ask me. Um, yeah, look, this film is by no means perfect. Uh, I think as a biopic, it tends to not neglect but avoid some of the more difficult subject matters when it comes mm-hmm. to uh, Freddie Mercury. But as a as an as an enjoyable film, it is it is that you know yeah, as a as a Queen biopic, I, it's enjoyable but factually not correct mm. but it's a very very entertaining film and the music is superb the music's great uh it, it's one of those films that you can go along you know sing along in your head or out loud if you so feel compelled um and yeah i mean the cgi at the end for the live aid uh wembley performance is absolutely atrocious which is a real shame but overall a very solid picture uh, and and one that i would recommend seeing In at number seven, we have The Grinch. That took £700,000 at the weekend, £26.6 million overall, and it's been in the box office for eight weeks. I I really, really love this film. Um, I've I've yet to see uh, the uh, Jim Carrey version again. uh, We we did uh, talk about it on the Christmas special. Um, David got presented with a a very nice DVD of the original Mm. Jim Carrey version, and we did say we were going to sit down and watch it, but we didn't. Um, But no, this version of the film... um, 
you felt was lacking uh, the the emotional impact. Um, I got it from this film, um, but I I feel I'm I I stand to be corrected when I rewatch the Jim Carrey mm. version. Yeah, look, I, I I'm not surprised it's it's still in the top ten. You know, it is a Christmas film. It has got a very good cast, and the animation is very very good. But overall, I just I found the whole thing very disappointing. I left the cinema thinking, yeah, um, wish I hadn't bothered. <laughs> uh, above that at number 10, 9, 8, 7, 6 <laughs> I can count is Holmes and Watson um, that's been out for one week uh, it took 0.9 uh, million pounds at the weekend it's taken 1.4 in total uh, I haven't seen this film and I won't be seeing this film oh well you will uh, I haven't seen this film and I will be seeing this film apparently um so I can't really comment. Uh, I have to say, I saw the trailer and it looked absolutely atrocious. Yeah, I mean, we're going to review this on week 26 of the podcast. I've already seen the film um, and it's going to be a really funny uh, film to review um, with me and you together. That's yes, why I, you have to see it. I apologise. Sorry. I thought we were reviewing it on today's show. We're not. So I will see this film uh, and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> Uh, above it, Craig, at number five, what we do we have? We have Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, a well-placed film at number five. Uh, it's taken £1 million at the weekend. It took £5.9 million overall, and it's been in the box office for three weeks. Uh, one of the finest uh, animation films of the year so far. Um, it's it's fantastic. It really, really is. Um, probably one of the best Marvel animated films that we've seen, um, especially in comparison to uh, Teen Titans, which mm. was a DC comic uh, film. That was appalling, um, mm. most, like most DC films, really. Got, got very good critical reception, actually, quite good reviews, but I thought it was fairly atrocious. This, on the other hand, uh, went into the cinema expecting not to like it, and actually it was one of my favourite films um, of of last year. Um, you know, not didn't make it into the top ten. Didn't though. make it into my top ten, but really enjoyed it. It was funny. It the pace was great. The animation was great. The dark humour was brilliant. Uh, and for someone who's not really into, uh, you know, comics, Spider Man, that 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 particular universe, I thought it was great. I would recommend it to anyone. Um, a very 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 good film indeed. Uh, above that and number four we have another uh, animation and it's Ralph Breaks the Internet. Uh, that's been in the box office for five weeks. It's taken £13.3 million in total. Took £1.3 million at the weekend. And yeah, look, I can see why it's there. It's the uh, school holidays or it has been the school holidays. It's uh, a solid film. I, I really quite enjoyed it actually. Um, I thought it was quite funny. I thought the pace was good. The animation was very good. And the way they managed to take these characters into the internet and the way they depicted the internet um i thought was very very clever um and yeah i, I would really recommend ralph breaks the internet in at number three we have aquaman that's taken 2.4 million pounds at the weekend 14.4 million pounds overall it's been in the box for three weeks and we're going to be reviewing this on this week's show yeah, so we won't say too much about that. But again, I'm not surprised uh, that that's in at number three. Obviously, it is a fairly big film and one that uh, a lot of people have been looking forward to. Uh, above that, we have Bumblebee, which is a prequel to the Transformers films. Uh, it's been in the box office for one week and it's taken £6.9 million pounds, uh, in all. Uh, again, we'll be reviewing that on today's show. And I don't want to say too much, but I will say I think it deserves to be at number two. Um, I was very surprised by this film. Hmm. 
Yes, me too. Me too. So that leaves us with number one, uh, which is Mary Poppins Returns. That's uh, uh, taken £7.4 million at the weekend. It's grossed uh, £23.2 million overall, and it's been in the box office for for two weeks now. And uh, I'm not surprised that I'm seeing that right there. Not at all. And I can't wait to review this one. Uh, not only am I not surprised it's at the top, I think it deserves to be at the top. Uh, it's going to be an interesting uh, review on this week's show, and I'm looking forward to reviewing it. Yeah, so David, if you'd like to take us from number 10 for the unusual box office rundown. So at number 10, we have Creed 2, 9, Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald, 8, Bohemian Rhapsody, 7, The Grinch, 6, Home and Wa- Holmes and Watson, 5, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, 4, Ralph Breaks the Internet, 3, Aquaman, 2, Bumblebee, and at the top of the pile, Mary Poppins has indeed returned. It's Mary Poppins Returns. So our first review of Week 25 is Aquaman. Now, James Wan directs DC's Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry, a half-human, half-Atlantean, and also heir to the throne. But when his half-brother threatens the world above the sea, Arthur must step forward and take his place by challenging his brother. Let's take a listen to a clip. To tell you, I don't want to be king. Once he is named Ocean Master, it'll be too late. The power at his disposal will be unlike anything you have ever seen. I'm from the surface. No one's going to take me seriously. Okay, I don't even know where to begin. By winning the hearts and minds of the people, by proving to them that you're worthy and retrieving this. I already got one of those. Not like this one, you don't. So there you have a clip from Aquaman and a very good clip, actually. I think it sort of sets the scene for the whole film quite well. I mean, where do you begin with this film? Uh, I'm going to start off by saying it's too long. Um, And I don't mean it's 10 minutes too long. I don't mean it's 20 minutes too long. I mean, it's 45 minutes to an hour too long. Um, We actually saw this in uh, Cineworld Watford's brand new IMAX screen. It's a huge screen. It boasts the new laser technology. Uh, We also saw it in 3D. And actually, for the first time ever, this was a film that I thought is probably worth seeing in 3D. Um, The screen is so big that you actually really do feel like you're part of the film, uh, which in many ways is a shame because the film's not actually very good. Um, (laughs) Like I said, it, it, it is too long. Um, and you could throw a dart at the at the film reel and then throw another dart and just chop pretty much 45 minutes anywhere in the film and you wouldn't lose the plot and you wouldn't lose the overall effect of the mm. film. As well as that, the film is somewhat ridiculous. I mean, you've got um, Atlanteans riding sharks like horses with harnesses. You've got a mollusk playing a drum set. It's all a little bit ludicrous, but... It gets away with it, and in and in some ways it works because it's so ridiculous and it's so over the top that you sort of go along with it. It's just a shame that the film is so long. Having said that, it's it's also a little bit too much. The CGI is a little bit too in your face. It's a little bit too fake and 
it just didn't feel right for me. In, in terms of the acting performances, I thought Amber Heard um, was was solid. Uh, Jason Momoa was, was, again, fairly good. I mean, they're working with a pretty poor script, a lot of one-liners, a lot of sound bites, very cliche moments. Uh, Willem Dafoe uh, is in this film, and he stands out so vastly superior to everyone else in terms of his acting ability. I just think he really holds the film together. And he's one of the few characters that I could actually sort of, you know, relate to or, or, or had a bit of an emotional attachment with. Um, in terms of Amber Heard's character, I thought she she did a good job. I would just like to say, though, I, I, I think the way that she was portrayed on screen was pretty poor, to be honest. Um, yes. She spent the whole time um, in very little clothing. Um, and, you know... That that that's just not good enough for for a modern day film, uh, in in the light of the Me Too campaign and and you know, w- women actors d- demanding equal pay and equal opportunity and stuff like this to take Amber Heard and basically just say look at her, you know, and objectify her. I just think films are better than that. Yeah, you know, possibly she, she was badass in the film. Oh, she was. Yeah, she I'm was saying like, she's done a good job, yeah, yeah. and it's not her fault. A couple of scenes perhaps where she's you know, wearing limited clothing, I can understand, you know, the same as Jason Momoa, they're both stunning humans to look at, but just to objectify her throughout the whole film and, and in quite a brutally obvious way, I just think modern film needs to be better than that. I, I I completely agree with you on that, Mm. but I think, I think the whole film objectifies male and female. If you think about it, I mean, the, the amount of t-shirt off, uh, and parts of the film where Jason Momoa just walking around with barely any clothes on um it it was it it was it had things for male and female but it shouldn't be like that anymore it, i mean it, yes completely objectifying male and female um especially amber heard um she got she got a lot of objectifying mm. scenes in there without a, a single shadow of a doubt um it's a mess of a film really isn't it story wise plot wise it's all over the place um but Visually, it's a stunning film. It, I mean, the underwater scenes, um, which I think are in comparison to um, Black Panther, like the welcoming to those, mm. you know, those those wide shots as they come in and, and, and show you the place where they lived. I f- actually think Aquaman did it better. And I think it, it visually it, it, it worked better in that sense. Um, the CGI, as you say, is probably a bit overwhelming, um, but... I think it, that's that's the film that it is, and that's what DC films do. They go way over the top with the crashes, the bangs, the explosions, and I mean, you, I, you know, it doesn't carry the film along, does it? The, you know how you were like um, Sicario Two has purpose in every explosion mm, and every yeah. every gun that goes off with this there's no real purpose it doesn't move the plot along yeah. other than it's just a big fight that's going on i mean there's a lot of explosions there's one particular part of the film where various things are blown up for no apparent reason uh, and, and i mentioned the running time I've, I've seen on the screen here it says two hours 23 minutes i can't believe that it felt much longer than that it felt much longer but it should have been at least two hours minimum. yeah okay so if it was two hours 23 minutes they they could have cut I would say 33 minutes, make it an hour and 50. It just felt too long, you know, and unnecessary. Um, I think you possibly enjoyed it a little bit more than, than I did. Yeah, I think I possibly did, but it, that's not saying that I I 
didn't think it was poor because it was a very poor film. It doesn't, it's not up there with Wonder Woman whatsoever. Um, Wonder Woman was one of the best DC films that's come out um, over the last few years. All of the Justice League films were very poor. And, and I mean, the Justice League one was uh, where we were introduced to Aquaman and he had no backstory to that. So this was James Wan's opportunity to really introduce that character and really give him a backstory. And continuing on from that and there's no need to go back in time like they did for wonder woman and have that prequel version and um yeah it's fairly disappointing in the sense that it, the story was just weak and all over the place and obscure and just bizarre i mean aliens in the underwater world uh alien spaceships it felt like there was men riding sharks big mollusks playing drums mm. uh it was just it was it i was mean just, to be to what, be fair what, what was it to be fair to the mollusk, he did put in a good performance. I mean, yeah, I mean, he, he you know, um, no and Collins, having, but... having what, I mean, eight limbs certainly helps for any drummer. Um, <laughs> he, he's up there with Lamont Van Hook, at least. Lamont Van Hook! Um, yeah, he, no, look, you can ask me the question if, 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 we're, if we're ready. Yeah, I think we are. David, Acroman, is it worth it? Is it worth it? No. However... If you're going to see this film, I do recommend seeing it in IMAX, in 3D. Uh, this this is the kind of film that really, I'll be honest, isn't a great film, but it is a, a great film to see in the cinema. Um, it's the kind of film that you have to see in the cinema. Um, one, because it's so long, and if you do go to the cinema, you sort of have to stick it out. If you watch this at home, you know, visually on a, on a normal size television, I don't think it'll be that impressive. The sound, obviously, not as good, and also the fact it's so long, I think you'll struggle to get through it. I don't think it's a very good film, but if you do want to see it, uh, go and see it in cinemas before it is uh, not in cinemas anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Interestingly enough, it was um, shot on IMAX as well, mm. which which you can tell. You know, it you, works. Yeah, it, you pair it with uh, with their with their amazing cameras that IMAX have and and an IMAX screen, and you've got a real great entertaining film to watch unfortunately the story is just poor and that's that's basically it nicole kidman i think actually had some of the best bits in the film and i think that opening scene uh, or the opening scenes where she is is fighting i think they're probably some of the best scenes in in the film um whether i think this film is worth seeing uh is it worth it no i i agree with you i don't think it's worth it i think it's one of the poorest dc films going and I agree that if you're going to want to see it and, you, and you're and you going to ignore what we're saying, then, yeah, see it in the cinema as that's the best place to see it. Mm. Um, I think yeah. this epitomises the kind of film that's not very good, but if you're going to see it, you have to see it in the cinema. Yeah, absolutely. So it's now time for our second review and we will be looking at Mary Poppins Returns. So what's this film about? Well, after the death of Michael Banks' wife, he finds himself in difficult times, both emotionally and financially. Adulthood has taken its grip and the fun of his childhood is nothing but a distant memory. It is therefore up to Mary Poppins to return, not only to once again help the Banks' children, but also remind Michael the true meaning of family um this is a much anticipated sequel and one we're really looking forward to reviewing uh, and here's a little clip to give you a taste of the film oh dear look the picture's changed looks as though they've broken your carriage wheel that they have it's useless now useless as a chocolate teapot the boat is speaking 
And who do we think has got to fix that? Ah, there's the riddle. Then what broke it fixes it, that's what I say. What do you think, Mary Poppins? Well, I suppose we have no choice. But how are we going to do that? I know a bit about fixing carriages. But we can't fix the carriage wheel. It isn't possible. Everything is possible. Even the impossible. Now, gather round, everyone. Spit spot. Georgie, don't forget Gilly. Are we ready? Ready. So it was with great um, trepidation and trepidation <laughs> that I went into this film because Mary Poppins is a beloved film in our household. My brother was very keen on watching this film. He he watched the, the original film over and over and over and over and over again. And, and it's a fantastic film, the first one. Um, great childhood memories. And I was worried that this film would not live up to that. And um, and it's it's great. It, I mean, it, we we'll just might as well go straight into that. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Emily Blunt is Mary Poppins. Um, there is no doubt within my mind that she she is the next evolution of Mary Poppins. She she embodies Mary Poppins. She is something different, but also the same. And it's it's wonderful to see on screen. She was a complete worthy choice for mm. for this, and I can't I can't actually think of anyone better to to play her. And uh, you know the the music as well. I mean, wow, mm. the soundtrack, the, the the music was on point at every stage. Um, I did come out of the film not remembering them all like you would remember the the, the originals you know you've got this a spoonful of sugar uh you've got um let's go fly, fly a, a kite. kite indeed up to the highest height there there, there are many many rememberable um Sorry, I won't sing. But as well, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> even though the sound of it is really quite atrocious. I mean, there's there's so many mm-hmm. memorable uh, um, um, lyrics and and songs within the original. And this one didn't have so much memorable stuff. But if you go back and listen to the soundtrack, actually, there are some really, mm. really, really great songs. Um, and I've only seen it the once, and I really want to see it again. Um, but yeah, I I absolutely loved it. Really, really did. What about you? Yeah, for me, I mean. Like yourself, when when I saw the trailer for this, Mary Poppins Returns, I thought, oh, for goodness sake, why? Um, I was uh, totally of the opinion that there, w- there was absolutely no need for a sequel. A sequel could only damage uh, the original. Um, obviously, it can never detract from the original. The, the original is a, is a classic f- for more reasons than one. Brilliant acting, brilliant script, brilliant story, brilliant music. However, having seen it, I, I really do think that there was a, a, a need for a sequel and they did a really good job. You know, it's set in um, uh, in London uh, during the Depression, post-financial crash. So we're looking at the early 30s and it's very gloom and doom. And Michael Banks, his his wife has passed away and he's, he's left looking after the children himself. And, you know, 
there's these wonderful shots of 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 London in that period, and then you've got Mary Poppins coming in and bringing you know light and song and dance. Emily Blunt is superb. Uh, Lin Manuel uh, Miranda, who plays Jack, is also very very good. Um, you know, I I just thought it it was it was a very solid film. I think it does have its problems. Um, a couple of the songs uh, I think are very forgettable. Uh, M- Meryl Streep, um, <laughs> yes. she's she's a fantastic actress. I mean, she's been nominated for twenty odd Oscars, I believe. But it feels like she's thrown into this film. Like Meryl, you know, we we need you in the film. You're a big name. Here's a song. It, it feels very much like it was done in one or two takes. It's a little bit rusty. It's a bit ropey, isn't the, it? The song she's given isn't actually very good. And it's completely unnecessary. It's like they have a, a plot diversion which brings them to Meryl Streep's character who doesn't need to be in the film. She then delivers a solid um, performance. She can sing, she can dance. We know that from the Mamma Mia films and and, and others. Um, things like that were just not necessary. Um, but, you know, you've got Colin Firth, Meryl Streep, Julie Walters, Emily Blunt. Uh, I think the ch- uh, the children who act in it are are, are fantastic. Uh, Dick Van Dyke makes a cameo, uh, which I think is brilliant. Um, a, a real beautiful cameo, actually. Very beautiful cameo. Yeah, yeah. Links it back nicely to the original film. Um, you know, I went into this film expecting to, to dislike it, and there were points during the film where I really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, it's, we're both adults now. You can never, like you were saying, you can never relive the childhood memories of watching Mary Poppins. Cause obviously even when we were children, Mary Poppins was still a very old film, mm. but it, it, it is a timeless classic hundred years down the line. You can watch the original Mary Poppins and it will still be as good as it was when it was released. This in a hundred years, I don't think will have the same effect, but nonetheless, it was just a nice, um, a nice uh, sequel and one that there's, it's difficult to not like, Mm. you know, it has its problems. I think the script's a bit ropey at times. Some of the songs are quite forgettable uh, and some of the CGI doesn't have the same magical effect that the original has because the original was so superior and way ahead of its times uh, that this doesn't have quite the same effect. And it feels a little bit wooden at times in the sense like here's the script here's the song here's the script here's the song it it feels i don't think it flows as well as the original it feels a little bit more forced but nonetheless um a very solid film and one that i would thoroughly recommend seeing in the cinema on the biggest screen possible i think we'll continue to see more mary poppins films over the years as well because uh there were actually multiple books of which mary poppins was obviously based on and that's where it came from why they never made any more going forward i don't know Mm. until this very point but disney i'm sure will want to commercialize on on everything as they are at the minute anyway and this was obviously going to happen at some mm. point and and there will be there will be more that are based on the books without a single shadow of a doubt you know um, and it, uh, what it does is is it brings mary poppins into a generation that otherwise believe it or not may not have actually heard or even seen the original you know mm. I, I know some people um particularly you know people 10, 15 years younger than us that have never seen the original, saw this in the cinema, went back and watched the original, preferred the original, loved the original. So yeah, overall, I think they've done a very good job here. And like you said, Emily Blunt is superb um, to the to the extent that um, she's already been nominated uh, for, for a Golden Globe. I wouldn't be surprised to see her in uh, or around uh, the Oscar nominations. You know, there is talk uh, whether she'll actually pick up an Oscar nomination, I'm not sure. But if she did, I certainly wouldn't oppose it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought she was brilliant. I mean... 
what a year for for Emily Blunt, starting yeah. off with a quiet place at the beginning of the year, and then now Mary Poppins right at the very end of the year. Um, I you know twenty nineteen is going to be a great year for her. I'm, I can see there's going to be a lot of films that she's probably going to take on, and mm. hopefully will be just as good. A, a quiet place too as well. Um, are they so making that? They are definitely making that. Yeah, mm. so I'm quite excited for that. How that's going to work, I don't know, but mm. we'll yeah, see. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem, isn't it? With sequels, you know, I think a quiet place. It doesn't need it. I don't think it needs it either, but, yeah. you know. Hereditary, we spoke about. <laughs> I think that does, I think there is potential for a sequel there. Well, we did speak about it on our um, top 10 year in review, which, um, which incidentally will be out after this yep. episode. So <laughs> um, we'll... we, we may refer back to it, but we've recorded that one first, which is why we're referring back to it, mm. um, just so you can and understand we'll pro- what we we'll, were doing. We'll, we'll... We'll be plugging it later in the show. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, we would love to hear your thoughts on Mary Poppins and all of the films that we review on each episode. And you can do so by hitting us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. And you can email us. Uh, our email address is David. Our email address is Craig. David, our email address is... Oh, he doesn't know it. <laughs> yeah, Because he keeps changing it. <laughs> I haven't. I've changed it once. Too many. Okay. Well, it's my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. What is it, David? My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. Excellent. So that was our review of Mary Poppins Returns. Oh, wait. We didn't (laughs) ask the question. The most poignant part of the whole reason we do this podcast. David, Mary Poppins Returns, is it worth it? Absolutely, 100%. Yes, take your family, see it in the cinema. Uh, I I think it's brilliant. And yeah, I completely agree with you as well. It is so, so worth going to see in the cinema. Um, take everybody, your, your mum, your dad, your grand, your aunt, your brother, your me, sister. Me, me mum, me dad and me grand with a bucket of vindaloo. And that was our review of Mary Poppins Return. Two thousand and nineteen has begun, and gym membership is booming. But why not put your money towards something you will actually use? For just seventeen pound ninety a month, you can get unlimited cinema anytime, any day. And the new year is the perfect time to become unlimited with films like Toy Story Four, Dumbo, The Lion King, Avengers: Endgame, Glass, Captain Marvel, and X Men: Dark Phoenix. Two thousand and nineteen is set to be a year of unmissable cinema. And you can get £10 off your first month's Cineworld Unlimited subscription using the code ISITWORTHIT, and that's all one word. As well as this, you can also get 10% off snacks and drinks, preview screenings of upcoming releases, and unlimited customers can now enjoy 25% off food and drink at Yo Sushi, Cafe Rouge, Bella Italia, La Iguana, La Tasca, and Belgo. Is It Worth It encourages an unlimited membership as part of a healthy and balanced lifestyle. Terms and conditions apply. It's now time for our third review of Week 25, and it's The Old Man and the Gun. Uh, this stars Robert Redford as Forrest Tucker, who is an escapee from the San Quentin prison, and he does so at the ripe old age of 70. Uh, this is based on the true story that captured the public's eye, and Forrest Tucker seems to go on this journey across America, conducting a string of heists in the most gentlemanly way possible. Alongside Redford, we have Sissy Spacek, Casey Affleck, Danny Glover, and Tom Waits. Uh, let's take a listen to a clip where Forrest Tucker's love interest challenges him to reveal what it is that he actually does. So what would be worse, uh, if I'm lying about this or telling you the truth? Prove it. Prove it? Yeah. You want me to prove it? Yeah. Well, what do you do if I can't? I won't walk out that door. 
No, I'm not gonna do it. <laughs> I didn't think so. Not because I can't. <laughs> because it's just not my style. Not your style. Mm -mm. You have style. I do. Well, uh, tell me what that is then. My style? Yeah. Okay, well, let's take this place. This place is not my style. But say it was a bank. And instead of that counter up there, that was really a teller's window. And that lady standing there was the teller behind the window. And you just walk in, real calm, and you find yourself a spot, and you sit down, just like we're sitting here. And you wait, and you watch. And that may take a couple of hours, might take a couple of days even, but you wait. It's gotta feel right, the timing has to feel right. And when it does feel right, you make your move. So you walk right up, look her in the eye, and you say, ma'am, this is a robbery. And you show her the gun like this. So that's a, a really great clip that I think actually beautifully captures the, the essence of the film, um, which has a fantastic uh, lead performance um, by Robert Redford, who really does portray Forrest Tucker so fantastically. And like Craig said in his synopsis, you know, the most gentlemanly bank robber of all time. You know, that scene there where he's c calmly describing how he robs banks with this slow and casual jazz just playing in the background epitomises what the whole film is. You know, it is a heist film, uh, but it's a heist film with a very different feel um, because the man carrying out these robberies is the most unlikely of uh, unlikeliest of you know suspects he's 70 years old um but as the film slowly um feeds us information about his 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 past and it is important to remember that this is based on a true story and the film reminds us that several times by you know giving us times and dates of when various prison escapes happen and various robberies happen um i mean the film isn't everyone's cup of tea as a heist movie the pace is quite slow um, which, you know, it, it, it most certainly isn't a thriller. It's not something that's going to have you on the edge of your seat. But at the same time, it's really engaging because you just like Forrest Tucker's character. You know, he talks about you know, when he's robbing banks that he's he's not making a living. Uh, he's making a life or something or he's not, you know, he's not in it for the money. He's in it for the thrill. And he, he portrays that really, really well. And, and then we have this, you know, fantastic love interest um, with uh, Sissy SpaceX character. She gives a great performance and they bounce off each other really well. Um, this is apparently Robert Redford's uh, last ever film. Um, so we do have a variety of flashbacks to previous works that he's that he's done, and that's incorporated very well into the plot and into one of the penultimate scenes. Um, and it's a it's it's a perfect film uh, for him to to bow out with. Um, and I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't think he's going to win an Oscar. He's never actually won an Oscar, um, which may surprise some people. He's only actually been nominated one other time. But I do think he will uh, quite possibly be nominated for an Oscar here for, for Best Actor. And I don't think he'll win it. And that's not because he doesn't deserve an Oscar. It's because the film isn't as good as his performance. There are, there are problems with the pace. There are some, not plot holes, because it's loosely based on a true story. So in terms of... His his chances of winning Best Actor they're they're very small. Nomination, uh, I really hope he does get one because he deserves it. But just a very likable film, a very enjoyable film, and you can't help but sort of smile and will this man on as he just you know strolls into a bank with his little briefcase and his hearing aid and then just rinses the bank for everything they have. Most compelling viewing. 
I think you're absolutely right in the sense that the film does have its problems in the sense that the pace is is way off. And I did find myself about halfway through not falling asleep, but feeling myself sort of going there, drifting off a little bit. Um, and it just it just sort of dipped in the middle a little bit. Um, and it isn't an exciting heist film, as you've already said. It It's just one of those performances from Robert Redford that you really enjoy and you really root for the character where you, you shouldn't root for this character. This character is robbing banks left, right and centre and uh, getting away with it because he's doing it in a way that, that people... Uh, think it's quite endearing in a, in a strange way and even Casey <laughs> yeah. Affleck's character who is a cop sort of endears to him throughout the film um, as he goes on on a search to find out who this person is and, and where he came from and then he learns of all of these audacious escapes from all of these prisons from all over the years and it is an incredible true story and it's also very enjoyable in the sense that you see clips of Robert Redford from his entire career and it is a very good fond farewell to Robert Redford as he is retiring and I would like to see him nominated for for best actor at the Oscar at least but there's no way he will win it um, because there are performances that are way more memorable way more uh, enjoyable in the context of the entire film Um, but that's not to say that this film was not wonderful and wasn't bad wasn't great It, it it just wasn't great and it wasn't bad. I think it's, it's just very middle ground mm. stuff. It's by no means, it's, it certainly isn't a film, you know, some people might listen to this review and sound like it just sounds like a homage to, to Robert Redford and they've made it to to say farewell. You know, in, in some ways, yes, but as a, as a standalone film, um, you know, take away the fact that it's his last, I still think it's very, very enjoyable. Casey Affleck's brilliant in it, but I think Casey Affleck's brilliant in everything. I think he's a phenomenal actor. Um, and it was just a very different, um, film. I mean, let's compare it to King of Thieves, mm. you know, which was about older men uh, robbing uh, or stealing stuff. And we had, you know, um, Michael Caine and uh, Jim Broadbent and Ray Winston uh, and some of these and Michael Gambon. Um, but the problem with that film was, is the characters were very unlikable. Lots of swearing, lots of bad language, lots of horrible characters whereas this Robert Redford is just a nice bloke and even the people who are being robbed even the people who are having the money taken from them seem to quite like him you know Casey Affleck uh, interviews people who've been robbed and they all say oh it's very gentlemanly very nice and there's one scene where he 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 robs a bank and it's clearly the woman's first day at work and he even gives her a tissue and 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 you know chats to her and comforts her before walking away with a bag full of cash you know just a very different kind of film uh, and one that I really, really enjoyed and, and one that I would recommend. Uh, I don't think it's worth seeing in the cinema. Um, I think this is a, 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 you know, wait for it to come on streaming services or, or get it on DVD. But a film worth seeing nonetheless. Yeah, I, uh, I think it it is worth seeing in the cinema if you have an unlimited card. Mm. And we do say that quite a lot. Um, and, you know, but yeah. If you've got Netflix or you've got Amazon or you've got some kind of streaming service where this will almost undoubtedly end up, um, it'll be a great one to watch at home um, without a single shadow of a doubt. I mean, technically, we've, we've, we didn't ask the question, so I will ask you the question quickly. Craig, the old man and the gun, is it worth it? Yes, with an unlimited card. Uh, for me, yes, it's worth seeing, but not necessarily in the cinema. It's not the kind of film. It's the complete opposite of Aquaman. Aquaman, see in the cinema, the old man and the gun. You can watch it at home, but you should watch it nonetheless. Uh, it was very enjoyable.
So it's that part of the show where we take a look at this week's news and uh, I'm going to go first, yeah? Was that right? Yes, please. Okay, so the first bit of news that I found is that Star Wars Episode Nine has a lot of Carrie Fisher footage, apparently, that they're going to use in uh, the next film. And uh, how have they done that? Well, J.J. Abrams and Carrie Fisher's brother have said that there's a lot of unseen footage from The Force Awakens uh, that they're going to use and they wanted to use this footage in honour of her rather than using uh, CGI um, or getting somebody else to play that character. And I think that's a really good way of doing it. Um, you know, the, there was a bit of backlash when they did Solo, A Star Wars Story, and they had CGI'd a younger Princess Leia into the film right at the very end. And it just didn't look quite right. It was a bit strange and people were were a bit put off by that. Um, but I'm really looking forward to episode nine. Um, you're not the biggest Star Wars fan, and I don't think you've seen... Have you seen Force Awakens? I have seen um, Solo. Was Solo. The that's that was the only it. one I've ever seen. And that's not really the uh, Star and, Wars and, film. And I've said this before on the podcast. I I do want to see Star Wars, but unfortunately, it, it's never really been my genre. So I've, I've never sort of had a, any great desire to see them. But I did decide that when I saw them, I'd, I'd watch them all in... Not firstly in order they were released and then sort of in chronological order. So it's still something I want to do. It's on my to-do yeah. list for 2019. Well, at, uh, in well December 2019, so this year, um, Star Wars Episode Nine will be yeah. out. So before December, you need to have watched all of the films. So maybe watch a film a month. Oh, no, I'll, I'll probably end up watching them all in a month. I tend to do things like that. Box sets, I crack them out in one night. <laughs> There's a lot so, of films. There's eight uh, films. Well, yeah. So maybe eight months before? Better get the old uh, Red Bull in and boost out and uh, do a 24-hour Star Wars marathon. <laughs> yep. Anyway, in terms of films, I have some more film news, which you'll be pleased to know. Uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, is set for a sequel, which is almost like a third film uh, in the Jumanji universe. Mm. Um, the Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle uh, star Jack Black, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Kevin Hart, and I really, really enjoyed it. Um, so that has been announced that they are planning another one, uh, and it's set to star um, Aquafina, um, who was in Crazy Rich Asians. She played a really good character in Crazy Rich Asians. Very, very funny. She was also in Ocean's 8. Uh, she's sort of quickly becoming one of the uh, rising stars or rising young female stars in Hollywood. Um, yeah, so... Is there any uh, plot that's been revealed for that film? No, there's, there's very little in terms of uh, plot. Um, well, I say very little, nothing, in fact. Um, but when I, when I did watch the sequel, it did feel like that there was room for another film. Um, it didn't make my top ten films of the year, but... You know, it could have. I thought Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle was a really good film, very well made, very funny, um, a nice follow-up to the original. Um, am I pleased they're making a third one? Not hugely, um, because I have a feeling that, it, you know, it could just go backwards. You know, I like the fact that they modernised it with a video game. Uh, I thought it was very well cast. Having said that, you know, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, Jack Black, Kevin Hart were fantastic. Um, Aquafina was hilarious in Crazy Rich Asians, also very good in Ocean's 8. So, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I believe that's due to come out sometime in 2020. Yeah. So, uh, my next piece of news is about Saoirse Ronan. So, she's joining uh, Wes Anderson's next live-action film, uh, The French Dispatch. Uh, so, this is the next film that he's doing live-action-wise. 
that after the Grand Budapest, uh, so after Grand Budapest, he went on to do Isle of Dogs, which was obviously the stop motion animation film. Um, and it's said to be quite a packed out cast already uh, with Timothy Charlemagne joining the cast, who actually uh, instantly was in Greta Gerwig's uh, Lady Bird with Saoirse Ronan. Uh, and the pair are also going to be starring in uh, Gerwig's Little Woman as well, or Little Women, sorry. Uh, French Dispatch is said to be described as a, a love letter to the journalists, and it's set in the 20th century in the Parisian office of an American newspaper. And that is all we know about the film, um, as Wes Anderson is very secretive about all the films that he does. But other notable castings include uh, Benicio uh, del Toro, Jeffrey Wright, uh, alongside some other returning uh, Anderson veterans such as Francis McDormand, Tilda Swinton and uh, Bill Murray as well. Yeah, really looking forward to that. Uh, Wes Anderson's a genius. I mean, Grand Budapest is great. And I love when you look at the Grand Budapest DVD or or a poster, the n- number of stars. And Wes Anderson loves cameos. You know, Bill Murray, Tilda Swinton were both in Grand Budapest. So was um, Saoirse Ronan, in fact. So really looking forward to that. Yep. Uh, I didn't know that. So that's news to my ears and uh, very pleased to hear it. And for my second piece of news, it's about Bird Box. So Bird Box has become the most watched Netflix original movie ever in its first week. So in its first week on Netflix, um, it was actually watched 45 million times, um, which is which is pretty sensational uh, for any film in its first week. Um it's become somewhat of a, a viral sensation, a meme. You know, there's Sandra Bullock with a blindfold is the, is the, is the new meme of 2019. Lots of people doing the bird box challenge, which seems to consist of wandering around uh, outside in public in a blindfold, which I must say does seem a bit uh, ridiculous. Um, but yeah, you know, we've, we've spoken about Netflix and the, the power it has with films like Roma and now bird box as well, you know, which is a film that has exploded. Um, we won't be reviewing that this week cause we're looking at Roma in our, um, is it worth it home cinema, but we will bring you a full review of bird box, uh, the record breaking bird box next week. And in other news, a man in Australia has been arrested for shouting death threats at a spider. And that was the news brought to you by Is It Worth It, the film review podcast. So, White Boy Rick, it's the next review on week 25, and it's directed by Yann Demange. Uh, it's based on the true story of Richard Wershey Jr., who is played by Richie Merritt, uh, who became the youngest ever FBI informer at the age of 14 during the 80s. Uh, Matthew McConaughey plays Richard Wershey Sr., uh, and we see both father and son in the opening at a gun show buying guns legally. Then Rick Sr. modifies these guns and sells them on illegally. Uh, he gets his son, Rick, to uh, go and push these onto the gangs of the city of where they live. Uh, Rick's sister is played by Belle Powley, whose name is Dawn. Uh, she's an addict and she is desperate to leave. Uh, the grandparents live across the road uh, and it's fair to say that family life is dysfunctional. Uh, let's have a listen to this clip. Tango, go! Get back. Get off of me! Get back in the house, Dawn. Go in the house and get dressed. Get inside the house. Dad! Stop. No. No. Die! Ah, Christ. Keep going. I got it under control. You don't need to stop the car, Pop. Everything's fine. Don't get out of the car. Everything is not fine. 
A man just ran out of your house almost since my imperial. You don't have a goddamn thing I under control. You, you not going to let her talk to you I'm like going to the goddamn house. Oh, I got this Christ. under control, all right? It ain't under control. Hey, stay out of it. Looks like Richard's having a bad day. No, Ma, I'm not having a bad day. My son and I walked into the lion's den this morning and walked out with the golden fleece. Ain't that right, Ricky? That's right. That's right. You're pathetic. Both of you. Hey, put some clothes on, will you? We're going for custard. So, yeah, I think uh, Craig selected a really great clip there. Shows um, a lot of what this film is about in one clip. Uh, the dysfunctional family, uh, the, the the comedic elements as well, you know, where um, the grandfather's, you know, clearly saying everything's not fine as there's just absolute carnage going on. Uh, and then uh, Matthew McConaughey's character insisting that the family go out for custard, which is <laughs> re- really funny when you see the film and just really, really bizarre. The family's falling apart and, and he's like, we're going for custard. And, and, and that's that. Um, this film, um, I'll kick off by saying I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I went into it completely blind. Mm. Um, so I knew almost nothing about it. I hadn't seen the trailer uh, which is great because obviously we go to the cinema a lot. We end up unfortunately seeing a lot of trailers. Uh, and I do think some trailers uh, completely ruin films. And yep. I think actually next week we're reviewing a couple of films where I think um, the trailers just spoiled them for me. Um, so my advice is if you can avoid the trailers, try and do so. Um, because my theory, the longer the trailer, quite often the worse the film because they put all the best bits in the trailer. Hadn't seen the trailer for this, went in and uh, I really enjoyed it. For me, the it's based on a true story, so obviously it's got a it's got a good plot, an interesting plot. Um, I don't think the script is brilliant. Uh, I think there's parts of the script that aren't great, and 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 I think that comes across. However, with the material they've got, I think the actors have all done uh, superbly. Um, Richie Merritt, who plays um, White Boy Rick, I think is perfectly cast, plays the role really yeah, really well. He's fantastic. Matthew McConaughey is superb, but in my opinion, he's he's one of the, the best actors on the planet. He's very versatile um, and very likable on screen as well and very easy to watch. Can you do a good impression? Uh, all right, all right, all, all right. right. What's that one that he does in... Going down Broadway. Yeah, and he's... If you want to see him in his uh, best performance, career-defining performance, performance i think uh, dallas buyers clubs a sensational film mm. currently available on netflix little plug for that if you haven't seen it brilliant film um and then finally um the 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 daughter the addict who is played by bell powley she's superb in this i mean she looks really quite unwell um which is obviously a credit to to the makeup team involved in the film but also the way she acts the way she plays this addict is is very difficult to watch um you know she's addicted to quite strong class a drugs and you can see it basically um not not just ruining her life but i would describe it as just emptying her soul she Take, lo- taking its grip and, she looks like a yeah, shell yeah. you know so physically she's there but emotionally and spiritually she's just dead and she does a great uh, performance there. Uh, the film's quite poignant in terms of gun crime, uh, how easily accessible guns are. As Craig said in his synopsis, the film starts off with with a gun show, a gun fair, um, which there are lots of in America, and guns are incredibly easy to come by. Um, certain states in America, everyone has a gun, uh, and that's not an exaggeration. You know, everyone is armed uh, or has a gun in the house. Um, so politically, quite um, 
quite interesting. Uh, and also as well, just the way that White Boy Rick is used by um, the the FBI uh, as sort of the youngest uh, informant ever uh, is is quite mind blowing. Really, you basically see the FBI take advantage of him, and it's it's a it's a political commentary as well about the power of the FBI and how what what we forget is that you know the powers that be. Anything is legal, really. Yeah, you know, and you know, without ruining the film, it goes to an extreme mm. that that is is uncontrollable um, yeah. by both the the family and 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 the FBI. Mm. Um, you know, they, they don't want to paint each other in a bad light, but they'll easily scapegoat. Um, and 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 you know, as and it's based on the true story. It's uh, it 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 could have gone either way with this film and and I feel like they did a really I think they did a very good job in in telling this story um David I'm gonna ask you the the question already yeah I'm gonna ask you the question is that unless you've got a lot more to talk about uh no no I'm 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 ready to ready to ready to go <laughs> ready to ready to answer the question <laughs> white boy Rick is it worth it Yes, yeah, I th- I think this is this is well worth seeing. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a film that has to be seen in the cinema, but I do think it's a film that people should watch. I think it's a pe- film people will enjoy. Um, so when it comes out on DVD or streaming services, I would thoroughly recommend it. Mm. Um, if you do want to see it in the cinema, I certainly wouldn't put you off. Um, but it, it, it's it's I like it. It's 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 a gritty drama. There is some action as well, um, and it's it's a bizarre film in some ways because it's I think it's got. A, a, a really interesting story, a fantastic cast, but it's something that I heard nothing about. You know, we are constantly seeing what's coming out in the cinema. We're constantly looking at uh, news and, and, f- and what's going on in the industry. And this film just seemed to slide under the radar. And I'm not 100% sure why that was. I don't know either. I think the marketing department have a lot to answer for on that one. But um, it, it did it did go under our radar a fair yeah. bit. And we didn't, both, both of us didn't see any trailers. The only reason we knew it was there because we could book it. And yeah. and we did, um, but I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the film. I think the ensemble cast around uh, Richie Merritt really made up um, a really great, you know, um, natural um, characters and 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 uh, acting. And I think it it really was testament to the story that they had these these great cast members, really big actors, but not overshadowing uh, Richie Merritt, who mm. you know playing a fourteen year old boy. And I thought that was brilliant. Um, yeah, well, definitely worth seeing in the cinema if you can, if you can still get around to seeing it. And if not, definitely worth seeing on uh, any streaming services when it comes out or or buying it on DVD, as, da- as David says, when it comes out. Um, so, yeah, that's our review of, of White Boy Rick. So it's now time for our next review and we will be taking a look at Bumblebee. This is directed by Travis Knight and not Michael Bay, thank God. Um, And the year is 1987 and we've got ourselves a prequel. Uh, Bumblebee is disguised as a yellow Volkswagen Beetle uh, after crash landing onto Earth where he's been sent to set up the base. Uh, Charlie, who is played by Hayley Steinfeld, has just turned 18 uh, and is really quite desperate for her independence. Uh, After discovering this rundown yellow Beetle at her local garage, uh, she makes a deal with the owner. If she can get the car started, then she can have it. Um, She manages to do this, she gets it started, and she takes the little yellow vehicle home. Once uh, she gets it home, however, uh, it turns out to be even more better. Um, uh, More better? (laughs) 
Oh. Even better than she I, expected. I think, well, I think we'll keep that in. You're on a roll there, but... Yeah. I was. <laughs> More better. I, do you know, I hate when people say that, and I've just done it. Um, having managed to get the yellow vehicle home, it's even better than she expected, and this little yellow beetle may well just transform her life forever. Well, that was a shambles. Let's take a listen to a clip. Look, people can be terrible about things they don't understand. If they find you, they'll probably lock you up in a lab somewhere. It'll be bad. Trust me. The only person you can show yourself around is me. Okay? So let's practice. You ready? If you see anyone besides me, what do you do? Great. Perfect. (laughs) Come back now. Okay, so let's say we're driving, right? We're driving and all of a sudden... Oh, shoot! Somebody's there! Hide! Hide! Behind! You serious? So... That's uh, a really great clip of uh, Bumblebee hiding behind the rock. I, I I remember seeing that in the trailer and actually thinking that was one of the better parts of the trailer. Um, and it's not actually one of the better parts of the film because there are so many great elements to this to to this film. Um, we haven't actually discussed Transformers on the podcast before, have we? Thankfully not. No. Um, so Michael Bay um, is the original writer and director of the other films, and it has to be said that. They're not brilliant. They're not great films. And I mean, if the first one was entertaining and I mean, then they I, I, went downhill mm. from there. Would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. I think the first one was was not half bad at all. Uh, it was certainly watchable. Um, and then it just got more and more ridiculous. I don't know how many they made. Four? Four? Five? Five, maybe. Um, yeah, it just got pretty appalling by the end. Mm. And they're, they're very laddish sort of films. So Bumblebee um, makes quite a difference in terms of that we've got a, a leading role uh, played by a, a girl, a woman, um, and we've got um, a, a more of a coming-of-age film set in, nine, in the 1980s. You, the, you know, the director, uh, Travis Knight, really makes use of the 1980s. Mm. He does very well of setting the scene. It does very well of mixing the action with the coming-of-age stuff as well. And I really, really love this film. For a Transformers film or a Transformers spin-off, I thought there was the emotional impact. It had the... Um, uh, well, the action as well that you want from a Transformers film, mm. so to speak, um, and 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 the emotional uh, stuff, which uh, just brilliant. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, I I really enjoyed this. So I saw the trailer, and I, I've got to got to be honest, I I didn't think it looked great. Um, I thought I was going to really struggle to enjoy this film, uh, but actually, quite the opposite. I I. I I really enjoyed it. I didn't just like it. Like mm. I genuinely enjoyed watching this. The the 1980s is is very well captured and I found myself singing along at times because it had a lot of 80s theme, yeah, a lot of very eight, good soundtrack. Uh, very good yeah. 80s music, which I'm assuming they must have paid royalties to the original artists because they were big artists, you mm. know, we're talking number ones. There were four or five sort of very recognizable songs um and not just clips, like quite long prolonged um you know almost whole songs at times, which which I really enjoyed. I thought Hayley Steinfeld was um, really good, very convincing as an 18-year-old. I'm not 100% how 
sure how old she is, but she's certainly in her 20s. She's around that age, which is good, to yeah, be fair. But so. she's a little bit older, but she, she plays the role really well. Um, and I, I, I just found it very refreshing. Again, I was concerned when they were going back because I thought, well, if it's anything like some of the recent Transformers films, it's going to be pretty unwatchable rubbish. Um, but it's not. It's actually got a lead character... Um, played by Hayley Steinfeld, that's that's very likable. Um, Bumblebee himself, his story of how he comes to Earth and why he's on Earth again is is likable, and you can you can relate to him. Um, the 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 Rotten Tomato scores for this are, are very interesting. Actually, seventy nine percent of the audience like it, mm. uh, but ninety three percent of critics. And for a, a Transformers film to have a better critical reception than audience reception is is very impressive because normally these films. You know, Transformers films, audience tend to like them a lot more than the critics. Yeah, yeah, Whereas this is the other way around. And I think it's the other way around because for your diehard Transformer fan, they might say it's a little bit soppy. It's not really adding much. But for, for film critics, they can look at this and say, well, it's well made. It's well acted. It's got a good script. It's got a good plot. Uh, John Cena's in it. Um, he's He's not great. Um, he's certainly capable of better. But he's almost cast in this... Here's John Cena as a as an army general, and he's he's going to play a really over the top stereotypical army oh, yeah. general. He's very stereotypical. Um, so I mean, he is better than that in terms of his acting ability, and I think he he, he proves that in some of the more comedic stuff he's done recently. Um, but there is a nice um, a nice moment in this film where um, John Cena's character salutes Bumblebee. Obviously, he's an, he's a, a an army man, and you know that's a, a real sign of respect and actually quite a moving moment in the film um, when you see his character sort of change his perception of these uh, Transformers. And and overall, you know, I think this is a really good film, not only for Transformers fans, but for families. Mm. Uh, I think it's rated PG. Um, I think there's a, a couple of scenes of moderate violence, and I think there's the odd swear word, um, which is why it's rated a PG. I think it's PG. It's, it's certainly not a 12A, so it mm. must be a PG. Um, so I would really recommend this to families. Um, and if you've never seen a Transformers film, um, then why not kick off by going to see this? Uh, I think it's well worth it. Yeah. I mean, just looking on Rotten Tomatoes now at the uh, previous films, uh, we've got Transformers in 2007, Charlotte Booth, Megan Fox, etc., etc. Uh, 57% Rotten Tomatoes uh, critics score. Uh, audience score at uh, 85%. So yep. that's the start of where you know critics were favourable in some respects. Um, and then we get to Transformers Revenge of the Fallen 2009, um, 19% critical uh, review, um, audience score 57%. Mm. Um, and it just goes downhill after that, really, to be fair. Um, I mean, I hadn't actually looked these up, but I, I, I could just, I just knew that the critics would always have a lower s- yeah, score than, no, than def- the audience. Definitely, definitely. And that's why, having just looked at this, I was... Um, not surprised, but it just proves, you know, if 93% of critics like a film called Bumblebee about a Transformer, you've got a solid film um, mm. and well, a film well worth seeing. Um, anything else, uh, Mr. Fields, you'd like to add? Not really. I think um, I just would like you to ask me the question. Um, yes, I will. I'm hoping they make another one, actually. Uh, I'd like to see where they where they can go with it. I, I'd happily see Bumblebee 2, Revenge of the Bees. <laughs> oh, not the bees. Maybe, maybe, get, not the bees. Uh, maybe get Nicolas Cage in to shout, not the bees. Just a small cameo. Um, Craig, Bumblebee. 
buzz, buzz, buzz. Is it worth it? Yes, this is 100% worth going to see in the cinema, regardless of the fact whether you have an unlimited card or not. This is one that you should see in the cinema for the action-packed action, the uh, a great soundtrack that is immersive in, in uh, IMAX, and uh, I think it's a, a really good one to see in the cinema. I totally agree. Um, I was expecting this to be terrible, and it wasn't. Uh, it was very, very good. Um, yeah, I really recommend going to see this. A great film for people of all ages. Bumblebee, go and check it out. So our next review is Sorry to Bother You. Um, David, you didn't get round to seeing this one, so I'm going to be doing this one on my own. I'm going to give you a really good overview as to what this film is about. So it's written and directed by Boots Riley, who is a rapper and producer, and this is the first film that he's actually uh, directed and, and written. And the film is a satire. It's a kind of dystopian film, uh, and it's in a world that we know, but it's not quite that same world. It's this strange science fiction uh, speckled throughout the film. Um, so yeah, it is the world that we know, but everything is just ever so slightly warped that we know it's not our world. Um, so we have our lead um, anti-character or anti-hero, Cassius Green, who is down and out. Um, he is living out of his uncle's garage. His girlfriend, who is played by Tessa Thompson, is an artist. She's an activist. Uh, she's got her head quite screwed on. Uh, and by day, she's like a sign twirler. And by night, uh, she paints graffiti on the walls, these p- political statement pieces, um, that are really quite good. Um, and in this in this strange world, the most watched and loved TV show is a show that's called, um, if I can recall the name, it's um, I Got the Beep Kicked Out of Me, uh, where <laughs> contestants go on this show and get punched and beaten up. Um, and they get that done for a laugh. It's, it's entertainment. Um, and whilst this TV show is on, there's adverts that go on for um, something called worry-free living. Uh, and you go and work for this company. They feed, they clothe you, they give you somewhere to sleep and exchange uh, for essentially what is slave labour. Um, but it's, as I say, this is a satire, so it's it's not it's painted in a quite a funny little way that they've done this ad. Um, so anyway, Cassius Green, he goes for a job interview as a tele salesman. They give him the job because he can simply read uh, and use his initiative. Uh, and on his first day, he meets uh, Danny Glover and he teaches him this brilliant trick. Uh, let's take a listen to a clip. Hey, young blood, let me give you a tip. Use your white voice. Man, I ain't got no white voice. Oh, come on, you know what I mean. You have a white voice in there. You can use it. It's like when you pulled over by the police. Oh, no, I just use my regular voice when that happens. I just say, back the fuck up off the car and don't nobody get out. man, I'm just trying to give you some game. You want to make some money here? Then read the script with a white voice. People say I talk with a white voice anyway, so why ain't it helping me out? Well, you don't talk white enough. I'm not talking about Will Smith's wife. I'm talking about the real deal. Like this young blood. Hey, Mr. Kramer, this is Langston from Regal View. I didn't catch you at the wrong time, did I? So I think that clip's really great in in showing you or trying to show you exactly how this film is. And it is absolutely berserk. It is crazy. Um, and it start, as I said, it starts off with um, this ever so slightly science fiction um, difference to, to what the real world is all about. But you you get a sense that this is our world, but it's not quite our world. And as the film progresses, it gets more and more and more bizarre. And as that um, 
Danny Glover explains using his white voice and actually does a white voice, which is actually instantly overdubbed, obviously, with somebody else speaking it. And actually, I think somewhere along the lines during the film, somebody actually says, oh, well, your white voice, it sounds like it's overdubbed, <laughs> which it actually is. And it's these these brilliantly, um, this, this brilliant reflection of life um, that's shown in a very visual way um, and actually spoken about in a way that's, um, that's obviously satire um anyway so i I, i'm gonna say straight away that i really really love this film it's it's a real really really poignant film to be watching at this moment in time and i think the director's done a very good job at at, you know as a first-time director and writer at, at bringing us this film um and I really do love how reflective of um, of of the of the time that it is, um, you know, especially with um, the way that the character has to climb up the chain of of, um, of 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 work, essentially. So climbing up the greasy chain or greasy <laughs> greasy pole. You're looking at me like, what? Where is he going with this? No, no, no. It's just I trying to get it's my just words the of, out. Of 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 remix. I, I love it. <laughs> Um, anyway, Casius Green is is climbing up the pole, um, the greasy pole, the greasy pole, using his white voice to come become what they call a power cooler. Mm. Um, and when they get to become a power cooler, they that's where they earn all the money. And it's he has to <laughs> choose whether or not to use his morals um, to to sell what he's selling. And essentially, what he is selling is going to be worry-free living. Mm. Um, well, that'd be nice. Well, yeah, worry-free living, which is obviously slave labour, but you get fed, clothed, and treated like um, you're in a concentration camp, basically, which isn't quite good, but that's what they sell. Uh, and he does a very good uh, job at selling it, and he gets the attention of uh, Army Hammer's character, who is a CEO of worry-free living and um, is very strange. He's a cork, uh, coke snoking coke snoking coke snorting ceo mm. who has these incredibly strange and bizarre theories experiments and experiments and all i'm going to say is that it just gets completely bizarre mm. as you go bizarre. throughout the film um, there's these strange horsemen that come into the film um it just yeah it gets incredibly bizarre mm. so mr fields yes sorry to bother you is it worth it? I absolutely love this film and I think it's absolutely worth going to see in the cinema if you can find it on at your local cinema. If not, when it comes out on DVD, streaming services, buying on whatever form, digital pirate. download, <laughs> don't don't pirate it. Um, buy it because I think it's uh, an absolutely wicked film to see. Um, bizarre. Uh, and yeah. I think I think it, it'll, it's found its audience, um, but I think there'll be some people that really don't get it. Mm. Um, but if you can get round the satire um, and and watch the visual the visual elements of the film, which are just hilarious. I mean, Cassius is on the phone doing telesettles at one point, and it, it visually shows you falling into the room of who he's speaking to mm. with his desk. And one is where uh, uh, an old lady's in the bath, and he's talking to her on the phone. Uh, and then another one, there's uh, a man and a woman in a compromising position and uh, he's ringing them up and speaking to them <laughs> on the phone. Um, and it's it's just very funny mm. and, and very poignant. Um, yeah, I really, really love this film. And I'm so worth watching. So there you have it. That is Craig's review of Sorry to Bother You. Is it worth it? Cinema at home. 
So welcome to uh, Is It Worth It? Cinema at Home. Um, we are reviewing Roma on this part of the show because it didn't get a, a full cinematic release uh, and it is currently available on Netflix. Uh, Netflix picked this up for distribution within the UK and USA, I believe. Um, and it's directed by Alfonso Curon. Uh, so simply, this is a story that chronicles a year in the life of a middle-class family's made in Mexico City in the early 1970s. Uh, the entire film is shot in black and white, um, and it is beautifully done. The cinematography is absolutely wonderful, um, and uh, Alfonso Cuarón really does capture the essence of what it's like to be living in uh, Mexico City in the 1970s. Um, however... Um, I really couldn't get into this film, and I think you're you're on the same page as me on that one. Mm. So, I mean, this film is currently second favourite to win Best Picture at the Oscars. Uh, it's a film that, for for reasons that seem to baffle me personally, uh, critics and many audiences alike are, are raving about. You know, they're calling it a vision, uh, you know, a visual masterpiece, a, a film for the ages. You know, Alfonso Cuarón's you know greatest work. Um, I mean, I don't know if I'm missing something, but I really didn't like this film. Um, now, look, I, I can tell you that it's beautifully shot. Um, some of the cinematography is very, very powerful. I think what he manages to do that I haven't really seen or you don't see much in mainstream film is he has a lot of wide shots, wide angle shots where there's a lot going on in every scene. So even though our, our protagonist, our main character's you know, in the centre of focus, around them, if you look in the background, there's yeah. loads going on and there's these moving side shots, for example, when our main character's walking down the street and there's some big, almost like drone shots of, of people doing martial arts in fields uh, and some more, you know, another wide-angle shot of, of, of people shooting in the woods. And it's very well shot and it's very artsy, um, but as a film, uh, I, I found it almost unwatchable. I think what he's doing there is making us a fly on the wall Mm. making us um you know be part of something but something that's unremarkable something that's mean you know something that's happening within the storyline that is just it's mm. just not entertaining and and for for what we are watching at home mm. you don't get drawn in very well and especially the, at the sense that you're because you're watching at home i i struggle to watch movies at home these days mm. because there are so many distractions but I really, I, I watched Cold War at home. Um, that was through Curzon Home Cinema. And I, I, was, I was fixed on that film. I was constantly drawn in. I was entertained. And that was a foreign film that had subtitles. This is also a foreign film that had subtitles, but I just couldn't mm. keep my attention on it. My eyes kept getting drawn away, not because of the, the, the time of day or because somebody kept messaging me or something on my phone. I had my phone on silent. Mm. I, I wasn't looking at my phone. I just kept not wanting to watch this film. I was bored. Quite simply, I was bored. You know, we, we, we spoke off air about perhaps, you know, did we think that because it was a foreign language film with subtitles that it, it was difficult to watch? And we both agreed that wasn't the problem. We've watched a lot. I, I mean, I know Craig has watched more than me French films on Netflix mm. with subtitles. One of my favourite films of all time is a German film called Downfall, um, which follows Hitler's last days uh, in his secret bunker at the end of the Second World War. That's all in German with subtitles and, and it's captivating viewing. It's a masterpiece from start to finish. Th when I saw the trailer for this, I thought this looks absolutely 
terrible. It looks really artistic-y and, and, and very abstract and obscure. And I thought, you know, it's well shot and, and, and in, you know, for a 25, 30 minute short piece, you know, maybe I could get on with it. But I thought that surely in the actual film we'll have a bit of substance. We'll have something to, we'll have characters that are, are likable and relatable. And we didn't. Um, some of the main characters I found it really difficult to r- relate to. Mm. Um, the actual Mexican maid, um, I, I, I just struggled to... Um, Cleo, um, she's called in the film, I, I, I really struggled to, 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 to relate to her. Um, I found the whole thing very cold. I sort of wanted to wrap myself up in a blanket and with a hot water bottle because the black and white, whilst effective, almost made me feel detached from the film. And... You know, it's very, very, very hard work to get through this film. It's the sort of film, if I wasn't doing this podcast and if it wasn't second favourite to win the Oscar for Best Picture, after a half an hour or an hour, I would have turned it off. I found it incredibly difficult to get through. But at the same time, it's got sensational reviews. And and I'm going to be honest, and uh, I'm going to go out on a bit of a, a whim here and say that I think a lot of people... Uh, a lot of critics, a lot of top critics are giving this brilliant reviews because they're too afraid to 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 say what they really think. I think it's a perfect example of one of those artsy films that is visually very stunning. But as a piece of film, as a piece of entertainment, it is not entertaining. I'm sorry, but it is just not. There is no way that people are going to sit around and watch this film and go, wow, that was great. Text their mates and say, go and watch Roma. Most people aren't going to be able to get through it, in my opinion. If this wins Best Picture the Oscars it's an absolute disgrace and a shambles I can I can understand uh, Alfonso Cuaron being nominated for best director again I don't think he should win but I can understand that best foreign um, I can understand if it was to win that but this is this is not in the top 10 best films of the year um, we saw a, a film that's quite similar in style Skate Kitchen um, again which was visually stunning um, very uh, art housey and very sort of cliche you know unique and different um that's that's as good if not better than this uh, and and that's not even in the betting for the oscars that's not even being talked about for any awards so um and unless i'm completely brain dead and missing something i found this thoroughly boring uh and i would be mortified uh for a number of reasons if this was to win mm. best picture but the main reason is I I simply think it isn't the best picture. I watched it and was hoping that it was going to be the kind of film that would change my perception of the trailer and challenge A Star Is Born for best picture, but it can't. It 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 really isn't very good. Yeah, I mean, you've pretty much said it all there, really. And I can I can pick out the merits of this film, and I can say that it is very well shot. Mm. Um, it is a, a stunning looking film, but. And I think it's just a very personal story to um, Alfonso Cuaron as well, mm. and almost too personal. Um, it's it's just a story that's not reflective of maybe us, um, and maybe that's a reason why we're not getting into it so much as well. Um, the only reason it is up for um, or could be awarded a Best Picture at the Oscars is because it did have a very limited theatre release mm. if it didn't go into the theaters it wouldn't um be up for the awards because to be nominated for an oscar you have to be um, which is let's be honest it's a bit of a scam at, isn't it 
Yeah, well, I mean, it has to be printed in 35mm at least and have a have a, a debut appearance in, in theatres of some sort. Um, I mean, like Bird Box, mm. um, which we haven't... We're going to review next week. Mm. Um, that will not have a theatre um, theatrical release of any sort. Mm. Um, so it will not be up for any... Yeah, but this really didn't have a theatrical release. It was released very limited for, I, I think it was closed screenings. It was basically put in the... We know why it was put in the cinema. Yeah. It was put in the cinema, so it qualified for an Oscar. You know, I, I mean, we would love to hear your opinions on this film. I would I would encourage our every listener to go onto Netflix and watch Roma. If If 25 minutes in, you don't like it, feel free to turn it off because it, it, it stays at that pace and um, not a lot changes. I will give credit where credit's due. There's a there's a 20-minute period near the end of the film hmm. where I won't say what happens because if you do get that far, um, it is a bit of a plot twist where I actually felt engaged with the film. Um, it pulled out some emotions for me um, and it made me think, oh, I'm glad that I've stuck with it. But after that twenty minutes, it, it then went backwards. In my in my opinion, it got worse. That they took the plot forward, and then again, it had this very abrupt ending. Um, and really, the the film can be epitomised by the opening four minutes. For four minutes, we have in black and white a um, a drain being filmed and water going into the drain, uh, and the credits coming up. And it's basically water that. Um, our protagonist is pouring away that she's been mopping the floor with. But we just have four minutes of water going into a drain. Beautifully shot. <laughs> yeah, but Craig, but I mean... No, this is what I'm saying. It's, it's but unremarkable. Is it be- but, but is it beautifully shot, though? Let's be honest. Well, yeah, it, it's, it the look- camera doesn't move. Well, it, no, it looks good on film, but it, it's just unremarkable... Tosh yeah, but that's you, being you, shown you, to you. you. It's, well, it's not tosh, okay. It's unremarkable to the storyline. And you know, that's what the, a lot of this film is. It's just unremarkable things happening. And we are flies on that wall of watching but things unfold that are just unremarkable. You you know this, being a, being a filmmaker yourself. There are things that you can film, the most simplest of things. And if you sit and watch them and record them at the right angle, they are beautiful. You know, a flower moving in the wind. But... Water going down a drain. I mean, are we, are we really saying, oh, oh, that's beautifully shot water. Give him an Oscar. I mean, come on. No, no, no. It's, not obviously it's, in it's, context of the whole film. You know, but... it's, not, it's not good enough. There's, you know, you talk about things being beautifully shot. There's one film that springs to mind, and that's American Beauty. And they have this scene where they um, basically just film a carrier bag blowing in the wind. Now, that doesn't sound particularly... Uh, sensational, but in the context of the film and with the uh, the voiceover that accompanies it, it, it works. And you know, you can have that sort of artsy bits. You know, I I'm not saying that 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 beginning doesn't work. It does. You know, in some ways, it sort of captivates you in in a way. But then you think, okay, well, we've had thirty seconds. That's enough. A minute, two minutes, four minutes. You know, it's like oh. And then there's no punch in the film. Um, I tried to watch it again, and I got halfway through and fell asleep. Um, you know, I would love to know your thoughts on this, but uh, for me, um, I've been saying to Craig all along, this will not be nominated for Best Picture. I just, I just can't see why it should be, because it isn't the Best Picture of the Year. It's going to be interesting to see whether it is nominated or it isn't nominated, but I think all fingers are pointing at the direction that is going to be nominated at least. Um, you know, the, the critical um, uh, reviews from, from this film and, um, uh, you know, all of the other awards that it's 
looks like it's been pick it, picking up is just it's uh, it's unremarkable really in 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 the grand schemes of things and and I'm a bit shocked that it is gonna if it is gonna win anything to be honest with you and 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 the last thing I'll say is I I was uh, I was slightly worried that having watched this that I'd I'd missed something and that Craig would ring me and be like David this is a masterpiece and he'd have been like this is incredible but you weren't you were if anything, less impressed than I was. Mm. Um, I wouldn't say I was less impressed. I was just, I think I'm on the same page as you. Mm. I think um, it's just a very difficult watch. And 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 I think the word that I keep using is unremarkable. And it is, it is just unremarkable. David, is it worth it? Roma is not worth seeing. Uh, it's not worth watching. However, should you watch it? Yes. Um, I think if if this film is going to be nominated, uh, Oscar nominations are on the 22nd of January, by the way. Uh, I think anyone who's interested in film has to watch it. And like I said, if you get 20, 25 minutes into it and it really isn't for you, you can turn it off because it it doesn't actually change. But, you know, I do encourage people to watch it. Is it worth watching? In my opinion, no, it's not. But um, it's, it's, it's a unique piece of cinema that is, you know, getting critical reception all around the world therefore uh, if you've got the time uh, and possibly if you're suffering from insomnia then uh, (laughs) check out Roma uh, currently available on Netflix and if you can let us know what you thought of Roma as well Uh, you can email us uh, my mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com you can message us on Facebook Instagram and Twitter and uh, we'll be able to David's doing the uh, swiping right on Bumble Tinder (laughs) and everything else because he's still desperate for a woman in his life um, but yeah, there's many ways you can contact us and uh, actually don't contact him through that way because that would be a strange way of contacting yeah. the show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so other notable films that we're going to recommend on uh, this week's show. Um, I've got uh, The Guernsey Literary and Potato Pill Pie Society. Uh, that's on Amazon Prime at the moment. Uh, that was reviewed by us on week number 10 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. And uh, I, I, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, it stars uh, Lily James um, who plays a writer, Juliet Ashton, um, who forms a changing bond with the eccentric Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society uh, during World War II. Um, I highly recommended watch uh, this film on the podcast and I, I thought it was really good. Um, and uh, I think it's uh, worth watching on Amazon Prime as well. Yeah, I agree with Craig there. Uh, I really enjoyed this film. And uh, yeah, it's available on Amazon Prime. uh, And I would really recommend checking it out. Uh, So I've got two films that I'm... um well, one film I'm 100% recommending, another film that I suggest people watch. Uh, the film I'm suggesting people watch is a film that I mentioned in today's news, which is Bird Box, star- starring uh, Sandra Bullock. Um, it's broken records as the most watched uh, film in its first week ever on Netflix. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an interesting film. I'm going to review it in full next week uh, on this feature. Uh, but before I review it, um, I encourage people to watch it. Email us, tweet us, Facebook us, whatever. Let us know what you thought of it because not only has it become sort of a, a meme, it's become one of those films that um, everyone's watching because everyone else is watching it. Mm. Um, and it shows the power of social media and it also shows that cinema is changing, the film industry is changing and that um, streaming services do have a lot of power uh, in the modern day, which is again proven by the fact that Roma's even being talked about as a potential Oscar winner. Uh, the film that I would like to recommend people watch uh, is on Netflix. It's called Burn After Reading. It's directed by the Coen brothers. Uh, it's got a fantastic cast, including John Malkovich, Brad Pitt, uh, George Clooney, um, Francis McDormand, uh, among many, many others. Uh, I remember this film came out in 2008. Um, I was in the sixth form. 
I remember a couple of girls from our sixth form actually went to see it in the cinema and said they absolutely hated it and it was terrible. So when it came out, I felt compelled to watch it. And I remember enjoying it, but thinking it was incredibly strange. Uh, and having rewatched it the other night, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. It's very short. It's only about an hour and 25, an hour and 30 minutes. Um, but it's typical Coen brothers. Mm. It's got a bizarre plot. It's got some incredible performances from uh, George George Clooney. Brad Pitt's brilliant in it. John Malkovich. Uh, it's just a very odd film. I was sorry. I was just going to say I haven't seen it since it came out in the cinema, mm. and I watched it in the cinema. What the two things that I remember from this film is a closet scene. Mm. Yeah, and uh, elbow doesn't ring any grounds bells. for divorce. Yes. Yeah. 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 So they they played that. In the film, and those are the two memorable things from this mm. film, and I remember really enjoying it in the cinema anyway. But yeah, so it's it's very very different, um, and it's not the sort of film that I think many people will have heard about. It's got one of those very uninspiring names, burn after reading, mm. almost like the Shawshank Redemption. It's not a, a name that think you know you think oh I'm going to watch that, but I do recommend you watch it because it's it like I said it's very odd, but it's very funny. It's dark humor, it's punchy humor, uh, and also. Every character in that film is like on the verge of a mental breakdown. <laughs> they, they've had enough and everyone buckles. And it's just nice to see a film where people buckle in a, in a slightly comedic way. It takes quite serious matters and, and, and does, you know, shows us them in a, in a comedic way. And I, I watched it twice. I watched it on my own. Then I told my brother about it and we watched it again yesterday. And I really enjoyed it both times. It's available on Netflix, Burn After Reading. Uh, that are the two films that I would recommend you check out on Netflix. And if you do uh, watch those, please do contact us and let us know what you thought. Yeah, um, there is one more film that I want you guys to, to watch for us, like David's recommendation of Bird Box. Uh, this one's called Life Itself. Now, this one's gone pretty much straight to, to streaming services. Uh, it's on Now TV and it's on Sky Cinema. It is a Sky Cinema original, which is why it's gone straight on there. It did have a cinematic release. Um, the night that we went to see an unlimited screening uh, for Colette... Um, was the night that it had a uh, it was in our local cinema oh. um, and it had a Q and A session as well with that one with the with the director which is Dan Fogelman um, best known for uh, some TV shows um, and writing a lot of films um, uh, he he was the writer of Tangled This Is Us um, quite a, f- a few notable good films as well um, and he's now directing this one. Uh, which stars Oscar Isaacs, uh, Olivia, uh, not Olivia, sorry, yes, Olivia Wilde, um, and it's um, it's supposed to be very, very good. I've not watched this one yet, um, and I'll, but what we are going to do is review it on next week's show, and it'd be great if you guys are going to watch along um, and then send us your thoughts on it, and we can read those out on next week's mm. show on week twenty six. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's our film recommendations on. Is it worth it? Should I stream it? No, it's not. Should I stream it anymore? <laughs> what is it called now? Is it worth it? Cinema at home. Cinema at home. There's too many names for these things now. We had we not. had to condense DVD DVD, and is it worth it? Should I stream it into one? punchy, rememberable name which Craig can't remember. No. What, so, uh, actually then, what is available for people to buy as well that's just been released? That's the next part, isn't it? Uh, on DVD? Yeah, DVD. Uh, what we got? Uh, there's two films, I think, that we found. Yes, Yardy. I'd recommend that. That's just new on DVD and Blu-ray. And uh, I think you'd recommend that one? Yeah, Black Klansman. Um that's just come out on DVD, directed by Spike Lee. Uh, made it into my top 10 films of 2018. Uh, very, very powerful film. With we, haven't, a... we haven't revealed that yet. <laughs> that's all right. That's out on Friday. 
People will hear that. Well, that, well I knew we hadn't revealed it. <laughs> Therefore, I'm plugging. Coming soon. Look out for our special episode, 2018, A Year in Review, where Black Klansman does make it into the top ten. I won't tell you what number. Great film, very powerful ending, very much worth buying on DVD. Uh, don't think you'll regret it. There we go. That's fine. <laughs> oh, in trouble again. Yep. Let me just uh, get the cane. <laughs> don't tell them about the cane. Thank you very much for listening to week 25 of Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. Uh, Coming up on week 26, David, what have we got? So we'll be reviewing a few films, including Welcome to Marwin, The Favourite, Holmes and Watson and Bird Box. As well as that, there'll be Life Itself, um, which we want you guys to watch. We haven't seen that one yet. We've seen some of these ones on week 26, but we haven't seen them all. Um, so what methods can people get in contact with us with, David? Well, as always, Craig, they can tweet us, they can Instagram us, they can Facebook us, or they can email us at mymailisworthit at isitworthitpodcast.com. Yes, you got it right. My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. <laughs> that came will be coming out. Do you want to say it one more time so people aren't confused? Yeah, I'll say it a bit slower. My mail is worth it at isitworthitpodcast.com. There you have it, folks. Yeah, we do love uh, we do love your emails. Uh, we love reading them out. Uh, and as well as that, obviously, if you do email us, you can uh, win a couple of free tickets to any cinema, uh, any Cineworld cinema in the UK, valid for six months, including IMAX. And IMAX tickets are about £16, £17 pound, uh, each at least, uh, and vastly more than that if you're in London. So please do get in contact with us, and uh, we look forward to providing you with many, many praise. Yes, and on Friday we're going to be releasing uh, 2018 A Year in Review, which is where we look at our top 10 films of 2018. Um, we both have uh, very different lists, I think mm. it's fair to say, um, but a, a very enjoyable episode nonetheless. It's like our Christmas bonus episode where we basically work non-stop, mm. uh, no breaks, no cuts, no no pauses, no nothing. We just literally just go in and uh, do not stop. And uh, I think it's an, quite an enjoyable episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully people enjoy that. Obviously, we, we go from 10 to 1, uh, my 10, then Craig's 10, and we, we play like a really good game of tennis backwards and forwards. Um, and yeah, your opinions would be great. Um, I think I say on the episode that we'd love to hear your top 10. Uh, you'll probably struggle to pick 10 films because it is very very hard but just a couple of your favourite films of last year uh, let us know on one of the many platforms and we'll uh, read that out on the show as well yeah that, that would be on week 26 because obviously we've already recorded yeah, the, uh, yeah well it, obviously yeah it's not going to be on this one because uh, <laughs> that would be weird I know it, we've recorded these in, in quite a strange way so in, in, in weird orders so and they're all coming out in different orders so week 25 is coming out before the year in review but we recorded the year in review before week 25 mm. and it's also very confusing but we're trying to do it in a way that where we can catch up with ourselves mm. and bring episodes on a weekly basis uh, where we are not trying to, you know, fight against time. Yeah. Because time, even though time is just a concept... Um, <laughs> Don't get into that. We are. We, it, it's very <laughs> difficult for us to try and see all the films in cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. So, uh, yeah, we hope you've enjoyed this week's show. Uh, have a great week, and we look forward to speaking to you soon. Happy 2019, then.